space. That was like the worst possible set of oh Like I roll God. a 12th die and get my 6 out of that. This is not the musical episode. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think those are, Doc? Are they uh, insects or something? Game over, man. Game over. Wow, guys. Dang. That was quite a season. Boy, and quite a system. It's quite insane. I, I'm here with my uh, Lafroig tenure. Um, <laughs> and we are celebrating the end of season three of the Gothic podcast. All we've got left to do uh, is this retrospective and our holiday horror specials. Uh, keep an eye out on our Instagram and Twitter for times, and you can catch us streaming live on Twitch. I'd say that you could interact with us there, but we're really bad about reading our <laughs> screens when we're doing stuff. But anyway, we'll try. <laughs> Join us for those. We're going to be playing a couple of interesting games, some different stuff than we normally do. But uh, tonight, uh, we have reconvened all together one last time to... Look back on season three, and for the players to ask me why, oh why, oh, oh why, oh why, oh, why? <laughs> oh dear God, why? Yes. <laughs> why did we ever choose this system, for one thing? What in <laughs> the other loving? Well, yeah, I'm always curious about, like, what, you know, what your kind of decision-making process is behind, like, oh, I want to try this out, or oh, I want to do that for... For this season. Yes, please. On my, on my board, on my cork board, <laughs> whereon are pieces of index uh, paper, sometimes actual just pieces rather than whole things, is a list of ideas for future seasons. And I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to do Space Gothic at some point because that's part of the the gothic horror idea that we've sort of been exploring and and alien is a gothic horror story set in space it's a haunted house story for one but it's got a lot of gothic yeah. elements too atmospheric stuff is what you think of mostly for gothic and and man alien delivers on that yeah so i was looking for something space related but then the alien rpg came out right about the time i was thinking about it and then there was just a no brainer that you know we had to give it a try so, picked up the book. Well, first of all, found out that it was reasonably rules light. So, it wasn't something like super, super crunchy, but not as light as what we tend to like with uh, Monster of the Week <laughs> or Dead of Night, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, we had some real, we had a real rough time with the Session Zero. Like, really just figuring out the rules. Yeah. Well, okay. So, I'll talk a little bit about what, what I was worried about after Session Zero was um, in, in Session Zero, we, like, our characters went into a big room, went into a hallway, saw an alien, and, like, one person made a panic roll, and then that panic roll was one of the other ones that makes everyone else also make a panic roll, and somebody else rolled a panic roll that makes everybody else roll a panic roll, and it just cascaded, and it was like, we, we saw one alien, and that's, like, <laughs> that was the trigger that, like, caused this cascade, and so it just seemed unwinnable, but uh, I was saying earlier... I don't know if Patrick will keep it in, but we seem to have got pretty lucky with our panic rolls throughout the course of the season that um, very few of them were ones that raised everyone else's stress. And uh, and I think part of that was because we had 
multiple characters, we were able to like skip around and have a little bit of time skip. And Patrick could say like, yeah, in the in the intervening hours, you guys have had time to 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 de-stress a little bit, and and pe- people's panic has stopped and stuff like that. So I think that we never really got into a cascading situation like that until the very very end. Yeah, and then once it starts. It just keeps going. Yeah, so that happened in se- in, in session zero, like yeah. <laughs> from yeah, one panic big snowball roll. effect. And, yeah, and yeah. it's so fast. I, I yeah. mean, just reading through the book, I I don't think we suspected how quickly that was all going to actually kick in. Right. And then when it did, uh, it it just it, seriously in the course yeah. of one or one or two turns, you go from we're okay to. We can right. do nothing. Like we went straight from like on the panic table that we roll for like what panic effect? Um, I think in session zero we went straight from like zero to a twelve where like somebody screamed, you know, and then like everybody else had to had to increase panic or something, and it was it was just it was right away. Because most of the uh, things that allow you to reduce panic, uh, you can't do until you're out of the stressful situation. Uh-huh. And even then, you can only reduce it by a few on under normal circumstances. Yeah. Mostly one. Well, the main thing that allows you to do that is command, and mm-hmm. none of you really had command. Well, because I think that none of us really realized that command was like the only thing that you could do to reduce. Now, that's not true. Ray had like a a, a medic specific thing that allowed him to reduce panic, but yeah, like Call Bob Bill had down. the banter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you could do some, but even those you had to do like if you could get somewhere where you're relatively safe for the yeah, moment. Yeah, you had to be safe already. You know, so it it was dangerous. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're listening to this, Sojourners, then hopefully you have listened to the season because there are going to be some spoilers going on here. Um, yeah, hey, uh, listen to the season first. <laughs> Jules was sort of our lone survivor, and of course not. In fact, you know, we might have been able to have some, you know, epilogue cutaways. I decided not to because... <laughs> that last episode is running something like one million hours long anyway. <laughs> At least that's how long our recording of it took. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if we're done with talking about the gaming system, I wanted to ask about Jules and the character of Jules and like how early did you decide that she was going to be this like secret agent slash involved in all of the all of the parts? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was that like uh, coordinated between the two of you? Yeah. It was immediate. When when he first said uh, he wanted to do Alien, and I think it maybe even come up we were talking at the end of last season. I, I think when we were actually even maybe going into the retrospective, and Patrick's like, "Oh, by the way, just to let you know, this is what it's going to be." And he said Alien, and I kind of half jokingly, half seriously said, "Okay, I'm in as long as I can play Julia Child." <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And he said, "Sure." Because <laughs> I kind of thought Patrick would be like, uh, no, that no, uh, you're not doing that. And then he said, yeah, sure. And I said, oh, well, then hell. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, now we're doing Julia Childs and Alien. And, um, <laughs> uh, but that really was it. I, I mean, it, I know it's very on the nose as far as making that obvious. That's where the inspiration came from. Uh, personally, yeah. I'm a huge fan of, of her anyway. I grew up watching her, her cooking show. Uh, my babysitter was not a particularly nice babysitter, uh, but she would let me sit there and watch Julia Child, and I still have that love of cooking today. And then, you know, when I got older, I actually started reading up on her her actual life. But she's a really cool character and was actually, you know, she did uh, work for the OSS. She met her husband while uh, essentially working as a spy. My favorite story is that the reason she got exposed to cooking, maybe not necessarily uh, her inspiration, 
Because one of the projects she worked on was making shark repellent because sharks were blowing up mine. And the wow. research showed them that, uh, yeah, no, that uh, there were organic methods that worked better. Basically, uh, uh, certain smells and spices would keep them away better than, say, anything they're coming up chemically. So they enlisted some chefs to come up with shark repellent. And she was one of the people heading up this project. Uh, that was one of her more prominent successes as a spy. In answer to your other question, though, Sharon, yeah, no, Richard rolled with everything that I threw at <laughs> him as far as jewels or any of the others go, but really jewels was the jewel of the game. And he did not know uh, beforehand no. on most of it. The only thing that I gave him anything on at all was what his uh, what jewels's memories were going on to the uh, Pescado Malo. Oh, wow. I, th okay. I think that was the only thing that I gave yeah. to Jules. We, we had a little bit of, uh, you know, I knew that she was the, the spy. Uh, I knew that was going to come out somehow. And honestly, the, the most of it, I was kind of honestly just BSing my way through uh, to a certain degree. Uh, yeah. Until, what was it, episode 18, I think, before that? There was, uh, it was a couple days before then. It might have been 17. I have to go back and look at the dates on that. Uh, but I, I'm sitting uh, watching, I think, an episode of She-Hulk with my wife, <laughs> and I, my phone dings, and I look over, and it's Patrick. And I'm like, I thought, I glanced at the message, I realize it's kind of a wall of text. I'm like, okay, this episode gets over, I'm going to read it. And it was him filling me in with a lot of stuff, and I just had to sit there and digest it for a while, while you know, or, because we're going to watch more, and I'm like, okay, I need a minute. <laughs> to... <laughs> oh my gosh what's going on here uh so it was kind of fun to just see all that and uh, uh realize that that's where patrick was going with this even that late in the game i had a backup by the way well it wasn't a backup it was the original idea that i had mm -hmm. and we just didn't have the time for it to play out but this jewels wasn't supposed to be the same jewels that had been adventuring on the uh, on Wednesday station. Oh. All the jewels were supposed to be clones. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just a bunch of jewels clones. Oh my god. The, the that makes so much more sense. Final it, shot, just like a warehouse full of jewels. Yeah, Jules's. they have a warehouse of jewels <gasps> spies because this is this was such a good spy that they didn't dare Oh risk my God. her in any one operation. Wait, wait. wait, that's too good. Let's go back and record the season. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go do that. Well, it, it, it's not that it can't be true. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I was really going to have, I was going to have the two Jules's meet on Wednesday <laughs> station when you got there. That oh, would have been you. so funny. Oh, it's oh, you. It's you. <laughs> because they don't know oh, they're clowns. No. You see. Oh, man. Uh, no, I, I was thinking about it today, how funny it was that I picked a little old lady specifically because like nobody pays attention to little old ladies. And I thought that'd be funny for a criminal. And then, uh, and you took it a completely opposite direction with a spy. <laughs> you know. So what was the uh, full motivation for Maisie? Was it just, you just thought it was funny or did you have? Yeah, no, I, um, I, uh, the most developed characters were Patience and Ray and, I think I had originally like thought it would be funny to play like a sweet little old lady who was an ex-convict, and I didn't really have like a backstory for that. So she she really was like the the least developed 
character. I wrote that backstory, but you know, it didn't really feel like she was like a person um, until we got together in the same room and started bantering as Jules and and Maisie. But uh, no, she was just supposed to be kind of like a con artist and like like transforming and looking older or you know moving faster or whatever and kind of skittering around and uh, and I I really didn't have an idea as to like who this person was apart from just like irascible. <laughs> well, technically, like with powered by the apocalypse games, weren't really supposed to have players playing the same playbooks. Mm-hmm. But um, Axel and Maisie both were the kid playbook. Yeah, yeah and par- part of why I picked that was I thought that was also funny. Like, it's the kid, but it's like a little old lady. Jesse's um, expression is saying that he did not realize that they were both <laughs> the same. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, because one of the kids' uh, uh, talents was beneath notice, and it's like you have extra skills when, like, kind of observing from the shadows kind of thing. And that's what oh, I expected funny. to be doing was like kind of skittering around, like observing stuff, stealing stuff. And it didn't really happen that way because, you know, usually when you build a character, it's like you really have no idea what they're going to go through. But but um, but yeah, that that beneath Tell notice about talent. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of funny. Like, uh, so in Alien, your character, what playbook you pick comes with like stuff that you can pick. Um, it's like, this thing or that thing. And so Maisie ended up with like a fishing line and a magnet and like <laughs> stuff that a, a kid would have. And I was just like, these are such random things. <laughs> what, do, what do I have in my pockets? Yeah, kind exactly. Of thing. Yeah. How about Axel? I want to hear about Axel. Oh, for Axel. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and I had the idea of Axel from like, uh, I don't know. I, if I was to like really split it down, these the three different characters I picked were different acts aspects of LJ. Mm-hmm. I thought Richard really brought that out nicely in the yeah. in the white room in the you know blank pages there mm-hmm. at the wrap up. Yeah, for uh, you know Red Winters, mm-hmm. and that that's the I mean the, that of course is the whole idea that these are different. Right. Personalities, right. aspects of yourselves. What were your three that you were really focusing on there then of LJ? What were the traits that you were seeing coming across? Um, for for the Axel side, it was a lot more of the figure it out kind of thing. Um, just like trying to follow along in Dr. Grace's footsteps, you know, just trying to help figure the things out and trying to follow along with that. That was that was where Axel wanted to be. But he was just this kid. He was like the smart know-it-all kid. And I wasn't going to do him as a synthetic at first. I was just going to do him as a kid. Just a regular old kid on a space station. But it, I threw around the idea. And I know everybody's going to want to say, Oh, God, I thought Dr. Laura was going to be the, the <laughs> robot. <you know? laughs> Loved the Dr. Laura. Who programmed my I do have to say, I think Dr. Laura was, I mean, up there in my top three of favorites? my favorite uh, yeah, characters. Same. <laughs> three but, of nine. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being able to put some of the uh, abilities on this kid, this uh, supposed kid running around a space station uh, was really intriguing. So I loved throwing that aspect into his character. You guys had nine characters total. Three characters each. You were juggling really four each if you count 
the occasional monster of the week yeah. contemporary now making characters yeah. that we do. So so this season you had four characters to juggle, 12 characters total for the for the game. How was that? Work? I mean, I thought you guys did great. I I was so very happy to have you guys as a cast um and able to roll with everything because once again, Sojourners, other actual play podcasts, they may go into a lot of this off screen where they talk about where things are going and what's going to happen and some of the beats they want to hit. We don't do that. <laughs> These guys take what I throw at them and they just roll with it. And sometimes we freeze and be like, uh, uh, yeah. uh. That happened a couple of times <laughs> in the finale. <laughs> but I threw, this time I threw a lot at you. So many characters. So how did that did you have any trouble with that, or did it seem to flow okay, or what? <laughs> I, I mean, trouble is in, it was hard to keep track. I mentioned Jules earlier. She was the easiest one because she was the most different and had that, you know, obviously mm-hmm. that speech pattern. But mm-hmm. I know with, like, uh, Wild Bill Hicks, I know my accent changed, and the way I, I played him changed over time. I've never had that problem. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be too much time in between, and it wasn't as easy to come back. Uh, to that one. Yeah, uh, I think the the hardest thing I had trouble with was, um, you know, when you sit down to, like, play another session, I always like to read, reread, like, what my notes were from last time. But, you know, if we were going back to, like, Wednesday Station and hadn't visited it in two sessions, sometimes I'd be like, where in the hell in my notes is the last time we were at Wednesday Station and I could not find it. But um, I think that because... The playbooks in in Aelin, I feel like were relatively simple. Like if this was D anD D, this would have been impossible. Yeah, you know. And there was a point there when, because uh, you know, we did this in that order. So there in the, that final episode, I, there were three different versions of duels. So yeah. I had to oh, track yeah. her three different stress, you know, on my note sheet. Right. I, I had to delineate those out so I could track those separately. Uh, yeah. Which also the PDF flipping got a little complicated at times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have, to have a lot open, but it, it was manageable. It just it, yeah, but it was a lot of extra work at times. It probably was significantly harder for you because I I just had three different character sheets, and so if I was switching between characters, just like tab over, and it wasn't too bad. But uh, but it was probably significantly harder trying to keep track of multiple versions of jewels. <laughs> well, uh, it was, and honestly, like, you know, since we record every other week, and I have uh, a couple other projects that I, I'm working on, uh, actually, I'm in the midst of four different projects of different various stages of production, and I, I honestly really did get to the point where I had uh, a certain amount of mental fatigue, uh, just trying to keep track of the tones of different things, and, and um, you know, that's why I, I tried to really get in and have a little extra time before we record each one of these sessions. I could just take a few minutes and try to get back into this headspace, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for those characters. Uh, and uh, like I said, so life lesson, that was too many projects at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me, I, of course, we all had those wonderful, oh, I did not remember my accent for this character. <laughs> um, but I, then I had the one episode with Axel where uh, I couldn't keep the specific English region accent mm-hmm. nailed down. Um, I love stuff like this, though, where you're, like, trying to flip back and forth between the different characterizations. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fun. Just it's kind of a challenge, yeah. Taking on the, the 
the different personality and the different, you know, speech and stuff like that was was a lot of fun. And I, I liked I liked being able to juggle that. And you do great with it, by the way. Sorry, sorry to yeah. interrupt, but like, I'm always in awe of your ability, even though sometimes I hear you have to kind of like, uh, you know, when we're getting ready to record, work your way back into those accents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listening to you. I had phrases written down for <laughs> each of the characters that I would like, like a mantra kind of thing where I would repeat yeah, them so that I could yeah. get into the character. I had that for uh, Mother Voice. I did that too. Listening to you get into that, uh, like, I was always in awe. It was always kind of fun uh, to even just sit here and, and listen to you do that. Yeah, you had three really distinctive voices this time, so that was... Uh... Oh my god, that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every season I've tried to design it so that we were doing something experimental. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't want us just to be... Yeah, we sure were. <laughs> I don't want us to just be taking this game, you know, and just doing it like, well, like everybody else might. Or like you might, you know, even in a home game, because... We're not like yeah. other podcasts. We're not like <laughs> other podcasts. No, I, it's just I thought we needed to, you know, be somehow different. We needed to stretch. And... And it, it is it isn't all just for the doing of it. There is there are plot reasons for this, as we learned to an extent in the white pages uh, part of this last episode. But it also just seemed right. I, I you said something along the lines of it would have been that it would have been too it would have gone too fast if we had just had the one story. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, we would I have think cascaded we would have, too soon. Yeah, we would have cascaded too soon. And then you would have had to done some, you would have had to, to, uh, you know, like hand to God, like save us from that situation. And that would, wouldn't have, you know, played well. well and, you know, I, I do have to commend Patrick, not only for weaving those three together, uh-huh. um, but, you know, I'm, I'm one of the old school gamers. I've been gaming for a very long time. And, and when you do, you kind of pick up on, uh, you know, not only just tendencies, but there's a lot of, of tropes and a lot of things that get recycled. And I'm kind of the in the category of sometimes the I've seen it all kind of guy. And even Patrick, you know, uh, you know, he used we used to live much closer and mm-hmm. uh, game more together. So you know, a lot of times I'm pretty good at having a feel for and guessing where, what's where's where's this all going. And I, I honestly, there's so many times I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. Patrick's got me yeah. completely uh, bumfuzzled here, and I don't, I have no clue what's going on. Uh, but, but it's fun. It was great. It's just that, yeah. So. You know, kudos to you for, right. for being able to do that. Well, but also, like, you know, yeah, in the moment, I had no idea where this was going. But listening back, I actually, uh, yesterday, I started over from the beginning of the season and started listening over again. And, um, you know, and uh, every time I go back and listen to an older episode and I hear Patrick say something that I'm like, you know, we're mm-hmm. like now dealing with the consequences of this thing that he set up like eight episodes ago. It's just like a jolt like oh my god like that thing that if guy only i kept notes <laughs> that place yeah <laughs> <laughs> um the timeline that everybody was always wondering well not always wondering about but when when was it that you guys it was like uh jesse had a moment where he was like oh i realize uh-huh. how this timeline is coming together they're not all happening at the same time no and i uh, yeah. well i realized that part early on but i didn't realize that they weren't in the correct order. I realized yeah. it was like time jumps, but I didn't yeah. realize that some of them were jumped before other ones that, that mm-hmm. I didn't realize I think, which order they came in. I think there was a real early reference to troops from the Wapiti being on the station. Yeah. 
then it became a, ge- a guessing game of like, okay, which comes first, the Wednesday station or the Wapiti? And I almost hate to admit here that, you know, it was supposed to be slightly different. Trakai first, mm-hmm. then, then Wednesday station, then Pescado Malo. Oh, interesting. Okay. So on the vein of things that didn't pick up on, I don't know, we were probably episode eight, nine, somewhere in the neighborhood before it occurred to me that Wednesday Station was just simply because we record on Wednesday night. (laughs) See, that occurred to me like two days ago. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, I wonder why I picked Wednesday Station as I'm setting my stuff up, getting ready to record. And I'm like, oh, look, it's Wednesday night. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Sojourner Unlimited. (laughs) No, that was was obvious, but... uh, (laughs) I guess I've just read enough, you know, books with you know, people with names like Thursday, you know, yeah. that I've just accepted. Okay. There was just, oh man, there was just so much stuff that I mm. wanted to, that was there that I wanted to get across and it just didn't come up or we didn't have time yeah. or mm-hmm. I, there were just so many, I think moments that would have been oh moments. And right. it's, you know, I always, whenever I move on past them, it's, it's a bit sad for me, but I hope that what comes across is fully functional anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we all have that too, right? Like, I think there were there were moments that I wanted to have with other characters, you know, and I'm sure that you guys also had moments like that where you're like, I really want this kind of moment of, uh, uh, you like, you know, I want to hit this beat with this character or that beat with that character and uh, triple that in this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a beautiful scene that I'm I'm currently thinking of and I wanted it so badly. because it made so much sense after everything that happened. But I just could not get any of you to go to the ziggurat and face Mm -hmm. off against um, Chaucer. (laughs) I was trying because I thought that's where... Yeah, unfortunately... Chaucer was. The only only person who... Yeah, he was there. The only person who actually was face to face with the ziggurat in any kind of time to be able to have done that was Maisie, who's at heart uh, <laughs> just out for her own self-preservation and trying to flee a bad situation. So, and I think that maybe I wanted to go see what was in the ziggurat, and you know, a certain other character in a long-running D and D campaign of Patrick's and mine would have done that, but not Maisie because that's not who she is. <laughs> so, you know, and we did run into that because I don't know how many times we'd be recording, and Patrick's like, "All right, we're going to start out with uh, Pescado Malo. So let's get about twenty, thirty minutes of that." And then yeah. an hour and a half later, right. <laughs> we're like, okay, guys, we've really got to move on past this yeah. Guatemala. Yeah. And we're and like, oh, crap. You yeah. can tell Patrick at some point was just like, okay, fine. I guess we're just doing one yeah. section <laughs> for yeah. one episode. The original concept was... You wanted to hit all three in every all episode, three, right? All three every time. Yep. Because yeah. I thought that we'd lose the rhythm of it. And in fact, what, that, what was going to happen was that was going to lose the rhythm of it. Yeah. And we needed to do the the full immersion in each one as we went mm-hmm. along. Mm-hmm. Because you realized we could do full episodes of just Jules and Maisie yeah. digging at each other. <laughs> just talking about <laughs> cooking. Well, and, and <laughs> oh, I hope everybody loves the little old ladies, too. <laughs> I think the, um, the thing that we get in trouble with is that the shorter and shorter time you spend with a character, it's like, okay, and you have part of one conversation... Let's cut away. Come back. Still the same conversation, you know. And mm-hmm. so it's um, we would have have been having to do time skips, but that would have felt thinner, you know. 
Instead, it was just uh, Maisie and Jules walking down hallways. Just yeah. walking down hallways. <laughs> That's all they did. Remember that time we blew up the station? <laughs> <laughs> remember, that, remember that time we walked down that hallway? And then that thing happened? Wasn't that exciting? There could be one whole retrospective of just Maisie and Jules. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Maisie's really a clone spy as well, and they'll meet <laughs> up somewhere else. <laughs> She's like, joke's on you, I'll live on. But I loved the others. I mean, the three different um, aspects of this season, I think you put together really well, Patrick. I loved the... Yeah. You had a planetary aspect. You had a, mm-hmm. a, a waypoint, a station. Um, mm-hmm. And then you also had the travelers. Uh, mm-hmm. That was that was a lot of fun to to be in those three different situations. I didn't want to revisit this in a future season, the space thing, and so I wanted to hit the tropes yeah. of space horror, mm-hmm. and that was another reason for doing the three uh, on a mechanical level was to get those different settings yeah. expressed. Space is a big genre. I really mm-hmm. like Drakai. I know we used it for the session zero in a slightly different form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just but I, I just couldn't leave it behind because the that whole layered Fabergé yeah. egg looking, you know, thing was right, fascinating. Right. Well and like part of Ray like exclaiming over how cool everything was 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 just Ray being himself, but but also it was legitimately like, oh my god, this is such a great visual, you know, imagine how awesome that would look to see, like, a forested arch with a waterfall coming down off it. If only I could give you great visuals for, like, the interiors of spaceships or the interior of the, uh, <laughs> of the uh, space station. I had a good visual on the inside of the space station, I felt like. I mean, some of the some of the points where you, like, go from part to part of the space station were hard to visualize because, like, mechanically that's complicated. But uh, no, I thought the space station made sense. Yeah, I still don't know quite how the spinning rings and the you know elevator from the non-spinning main strut works. But hey, I blew that up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, excuse me, Jules blew it up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, the reason in in the finale when the rings, outer rings, all detached, I was like slapping my forehead because I was like, "There's we were." trying to blow up the station to like stop these things from spreading further out in the galaxy and uh they're like canonically out in the rings already (laughs) like we might get the nest but there's they're still gonna spread and i was just like oh no this has all been futile (laughs) there's a lot of futility in this season in the end yeah kind of a downer in a way although Mm -hmm. i feel pretty satisfied with it but yet (laughs) It wasn't an exactly upbeat ending. <laughs> well, I mean, look at Alien, right? Like That's why I wanted to have nine characters in this season, so, <laughs> so that I, I could, could kill, kill most of them. them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that is what happened with Jules, because I never really kind of thought it was going to go exactly that way. But then here, within all of a sudden, the last few episodes, she went from, I'm figuring out a mystery, to, well, I guess I'll just kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the easiest yeah. solution. I'll just vent the ship. Into the vacuum. Good night. Yeah, that, that was such a crazy. The moment you're like, "Can I just kick out Wild Bill?" and it's like, I knew we were all thinking it, but it's just like, oh man. You know, of course, we do this uh, visually so that we can see each other when we're when we're recording. And I saw Sharon's face when I started blowing the 
um, those connector rings uh, yeah. that connected the the uh, outer rings to the main I like, thing. Oh, and no. <laughs> I, I don't know. Did I also see on your face the uh, remembrance of when I described those explosives, like mm-hmm. in the second yes. episode or something? <laughs> yeah, you described those at the very beginning that they were designed to blow in case of emergency. And we had just gone on this amazing and epic you know, suicide mission to get rid of this colony of these things. And, and it's just all going to be for naught because these rings are going to go floating away. And at least one of them is infested with aliens in it. So, you know, at least one. And then there's the loose thread too of, um, uh, Jin Kaje. We never caught up with that dude. There's a few loose strings. Uh, I mean, we can discuss them. Of course, it's non-canon because it didn't happen in the story. Right. Can I ask, what did you intend to happen with Jin Kaje? Jin Kaje, (laughs) Luther Winscombe, and uh, the Captain Captain Moses Franks were all uh, Chris Luther. Oh, okay. Oh, dang. Yeah, and then this great scene where very likely the uh, Wednesday station is falling out of orbit because it's been destabilized, Mm -hmm. and it's falling toward... Uh, the planet as the uh, Pescado Malo shows up, and the remaining crew of the Pescado Malo goes on to the uh, on to Wednesday Station and encounter whatever's left of themselves, Avatar wise. Yeah, and you get into the Ziggurat and you find that the primary source of the growths of the the queen, essentially of this whole hive, is the remnants of Doctor Laura. Oh. Whoa! Okay, yeah, yeah. Whoa. that would have been so cool, wouldn't it? But whoa! Oh well. <laughs> I am the queen of the xenomorphs. Dang! What? Uh, what made you decide, Patrick, to do um, Predator as an ally? Because I, I fully expected to be just taken out immediately. <laughs> Predator two. Okay. <laughs> and to a certain extent, um, that Alien versus Predator, where they're in the Arctic, is that the first one? Uh, where our protagonist, where she kind of teams up with the predator in order to, yeah. you know, fight fight their way through the aliens, through the xenomorphs that are in the under ice ziggurat. Uh, so there's some of that influence to it. There was also I just had to get the predators in there somewhere, and <laughs> so um, it's left kind of open, and that was meant to be even in my own mind to a certain extent. Uh, open as to whether Trakai was built by the engineers, which in alien lore are the ancients who, you know, essentially seeded life uh, yeah. everywhere. Prometheus. Uh, or if it was a hunting planet created by the predator race. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I wanted to leave that kind of up in the air. You can make your own decisions there. I, I thought about it and I was like, ooh, I wonder if he's going to throw any Blade Runner aspects into it. Because Blade Runner is part of that same canon um, in that same world as well. Yeah, it, it, I've heard that, that Blade Runner is, was, uh, is connected. I can see it. I'm not sure how much I want to embrace that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really odd. Anyway. I don't want Decker fighting a predator. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you can always just go the other way with it now if they're, uh, you know, with, with the new movie Prey, where it's just predators through history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it always should have been. Uh, yeah. Th- that was, you know, it was it was implied in Predator, you know, yeah. that, that that was the case. 
Mm-hmm. And oh, okay. or that's a great concept. And then of course Predator Two. And now we're getting into movie trivia here, but of course mm-hmm. the the whole Alien versus Predator franchise happened because they needed some skulls for the Predator ship in right. um, Predator Two. So when he goes in, there's a, a display case with a bunch of skulls, and they just pulled a bunch of skulls out of the prop department, and one of them was an alien skull, mm-hmm. a xenomorph skull from Alien. And so then this whole like history started building, including a very good set of comics. Um, you know, I know one thing that we mentioned the other day that I wanted to go ahead and bring up is the idea of uh, the death that Patrick owed me. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, when the, I came on with season two, mm-hmm. I wasn't supposed to be a regular initial. Patrick. Not even for the whole season, right? No. Like, you were no, going to be... No, he yeah. was like a two-episode. He was supposed to be the beloved character who gets killed early on and mm-hmm. makes everybody else feel bad. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. He just asked me to do a guest appearance. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And we kind of talked it out. And, you know, like, that was supposed to be the idea is that you guys weren't going to know that. And then when I, I die quickly, it's just a shock. Mm-hmm. And um, then through a, a series of events, it, it ended up not happening. And by the time we got to recording very quickly, it wasn't the case of Patrick's like, hey, can you just stick around? Uh, so then the character didn't die. We did that whole uh, season two. And then at the end of that, he's like, hey, you want to stick around and do a little more? I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. If I can be Julia Child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, then we get all the way to the end. And... Uh, you know, he texted me about the whole thing with Red Winters. Uh, he gave me some options to where we go with that. And I said, oh, I got to go with the death because you owe me uh, a death, of, a tragic <laughs> death of a character. And yeah. then, you know, that's how it kind of came full circle in that in that way. That uh, that was the kind of, because uh, you guys gasped when that happened. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that was supposed to be that moment. Uh, it's just came at the end of the the very next season and not the beginning yeah. of season two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that other thing that we were talking about earlier too, where you guys will, you know, you guys got trained so much to, you know, not make any sounds on, on the video. <laughs> and yet... Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. I love seeing the faces though, when we're all just like, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I actually, am like deliberately trying to react now because now I can, I feel like I can tell when Patrick wants us to react to something. And so I'm trying to like, start being reactive again, but at the at the appropriate times. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind you having reactions to things. I mind squeaky chairs while you're talking or <laughs> yeah. um or um um you know playing with your rat <laughs> while, while you or listen <laughs> while you're whispering. <laughs> Dogs barking in the background. Oh the fun of recording. I discovered in um, season one that I apparently have the superpower of being able to sit in one position without <laughs> moving my chair at all for up to two hours at a time. <laughs> okay, but okay, but you also have like a way better microphone than, than multiple of us. So you pro- hey, your microphone's probably more protected from the your chair. microphone that I used for season one was the same one that Jesse used for season two. That's and fair. a lot of this season, season three, yeah. until he uh, borrowed my uh, my uh, Yeti. Yeah, I remember the headset. Well, we're not going to revisit this. So if you have any questions or anything you wanted to delve into. I want to dig into everyone's decisions about everyone's characters, but I know that that's not like. <laughs> well, yeah. So, Sojourners, Sharon always has a uh, 
a lengthy backstory for her characters, even if it's just in her head. You literally asked me to write a backstory for these guys. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's, I uh, mentioned earlier that I've been gaming for a long time, and I know, uh, you know, it's great that there's so many new voices in the hobby. I, I really do love it. Uh, but there are some tendencies that you kind of notice over time. And, uh, because we all start out as the, you know, 20 page backstory page person. Uh, yeah. That's a natural progression. And then after you get a couple decades under your belt, you get to the all right, just hurt me. Uh, you know, you, you're like, I'm not, I'm not going to try to wrap this all up in a nice little bow. Here's a bunch of hooks for you to use and just beat me right. up with it. Um, no, and I think, I think part of what it is is like for the um, improv nature of this type of storytelling, I want to be able to have answers and react on on the spot, and I feel like I can't do that if I don't have anything in mind in the background, you know, because I just freeze. So anyway, that's where that comes from. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no. And, and for me, uh, a lot of it is just um, kind of like really latching onto how is this person going to react and thinking of, yeah. was there something, you know, and it doesn't even have to be that like explicit. Um, right. Right. Like, recalling all of the events. Cause sometimes that's fun to bring out in the story. Um, yeah. to like create that on the spot. So I love doing stuff like that, but to just have like the basic emotions of the person and how they would react. Um, that yeah, was, totally. that's mostly what I go for when I play these characters. I'm trying to think of, uh, some things that you threw out there or that happened that just, you know, made the story go in a different way than it might have otherwise. Oh yeah. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. But a lot of it uh, that I, th what I'm thinking of initially here is, you know, tapping into Axel's memories. Yeah. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Mm hmm And, you know, some of those I was having to go like, okay, I don't, uh, mm, or, okay, well, here's what it is. Here's what oh, your yeah. memory was. And then I say it and I'm like, oh, well, crap. That means that that happened now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Now, how does that match up with this and other how does stuff? That fit the rest of the story. And I guess Jules was there too. <laughs> yeah, and Jules was, was there fun. too. Because you know, the early episodes, Jules—I didn't know that. Yeah. So Jules is walking around somebody who she knows, and and like I, yeah. I didn't know that at all. Well, that I mean, that's totally like I said when I went back and I was—I'm re-listening to the very first episodes yesterday, and we have this scene where we see the Marines fighting these aliens in Axel's memories. And I'm like, oh my God, Jules is sitting there watching this like, oh dang, <laughs> like, <laughs> this isn't supposed to come up. Um, but also I was like, okay, what kind of military ship was like, let's bring this 14 year old looking robot on <laughs> ship. <laughs> Experimental model. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was another one. I mean, what was going to happen to Wild Bill? Yeah. I did not have any idea. I mean, of course not. I mean, because you you might have put him in a cryo chamber. You might have let him go for one more round when the, mm -hmm. you know, when the chestburster would have come out. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, the Wapiti was the primary source of all of the alien outbreaks. Mm-hmm. wasn't the only, because uh, Wednesday Station had sent a prior expedition to Trakai and come back with some things. And that's what had been being studied by Dr. Chauncey. Mm -hmm. Spies for Cain Lazarus figured that out and yeah. sent another, uh, Cain Lazarus sent an expedition to Trakai to figure out what it was that Sojourner Unlimited was interested in there. <laughs> 
while also simultaneously sending jewels to infiltrate and infiltrate a sojourner and find out what was happening. That's that's kind of one of the things that having three characters like that I got a little bit messed up with was like, wait, which corporation is this? Like, <laughs> what are their interests? And like, wait, who is Jews working for again? But I mean, that was partially intentional also. But <laughs> and it was a little weird for you all to be working for Cain Lazarus, but no more yeah. weird than you to be related to Lazarus Cain right. in season two. Yeah. Uh-huh. What does it all mean? Does it mean anything? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Nothing really matters. Find out next time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, two more seasons uh, is what we have planned here for this storyline. Five-year mission. (laughs) For this five-year mission that we have. (laughs) And next season, we're going to be, we announced it last time at the um, end of the uh, White Pages, that we would be playing City of Mist next time. Speaking of possible derailments, holy (laughs) crap, the rift was there. We, I knew that we were going to be playing City of Mist next time we talked about City of Mist. I, sh- I say that there's a, the tower, but before that, there's this city. There's a city. And then Jesse for LJ rolls a seven to nine, and I have to give him options. And one of those options is you go somewhere that isn't <laughs> yeah. that place beyond the rift. And it's like, if he chooses that, we've got to go with a different, a whole different game <laughs> system next, <laughs> next time. And I put it out there and I mean, it was there. He could have bitten. I thought he wouldn't. I thought he would go for one of the others, but yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure of it. It could have gone weird. Could have been yeah. weird, man. <laughs> Getting weird. Oh, man. It looks cool. Let's check it out. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we're going to be doing City of Mist next time. Uh, City of Mist is kind of kind of cool uh, in that you play uh, characters who have everyday lives. Uh, it's a noir world, so they might have noir lives, like private investigators or such. They're awakening to this embodiment of legendary, mythical, fairy tale characters that are bubbling up within them. Mm-hmm. that want to make their stories known in the city. And so it again it's kind of a split personality thing, but it's all going to be one I'm going to go I'm giving you this right now. This is your bone. One timeline, one <laughs> one storyline, one plot all the way through there. There are some twists I have planned, but but the timeline and set it uh, and the and the Plotline itself are not in weird order or <laughs> multiple settings of, that are somehow completely separate yet attached to one another. <laughs> and we will be saying goodbye to Richard. Yeah. Um, we're saying goodbye Hopefully to Richard tonight, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I have very much appreciated Richard uh, being here, uh-huh. running characters for two seasons when he expected to be here for three episodes tops. <laughs> same. Same. For yeah. sure. And so we raise our glasses to you, good sir. May your ventures in your own podcasts be ever in your favor. Be ever in your be favor. In your favor. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've come to the point in the retrospective that um, our listeners are probably tired of listening to us blither on. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, projects. Well, Richard is going on to a few. What have you, what have you got coming up? 
you know, that's one of the things that Patrick and I get to discuss is uh, also the, the production side of things, since we're, we're both involved in that as well. So we have a lot coming up for next year uh, that I'm super excited about. Uh, the first is we are venturing into the uh, Lancer uh, game system. Uh, I like big stompy robots, and it's a, it's a fun system if you haven't checked it out. So that's a project that we actually just wrapped on recording, but still have the production to do. I'm also really excited because I love adding in sound effects, and Stompy Robots just gives so many uh, great opportunities for sound effects. Uh, we got uh, a local person who recorded some metal riffs for us, so we can have like the, the anime uh, metal nice. riffs happening at certain times. Uh, so we're really going to dig into that and try to do some creative things on uh, the production industry. So that's that's something that I'm uh, deep in the middle of at the moment, but also really excited to, to see how it all comes out. Is that all going to be under the Adventurer's Vault? It is, yeah. We released it all under the same umbrella. Uh, anybody else have anything coming up? Jesse, you got any live stuff happening soon? Oh, yeah. Uh, pretty much all of December. <laughs> <laughs> if we're lucky, this retrospective will be edited and out by December. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, the first two weekends of December, Torch Song Theater Company is doing a holiday version of their Villains and Vixens show. Oh, how fun! Which I've done in the past, and then uh, my Kaleida Sound, my acapella group, will be doing a couple of performances in December as well. And I also got an offer to do some caroling around Bridgeport Village uh, for the holiday season as well. That's great. Awesome. It's another one of my disappointments that being so far away that I, I don't ever get a chance to go out and check out any of those things. Yeah, yeah. Well, you still need to come out and we can get on the train and do a, uh, an do episode, a one shot on the train. An episode from the train. <laughs> yeah. The Jules and Maisie show. Yeah. Take the train out to, uh, <laughs> take the train out to Missouri and go to Macon. <laughs> I, I kind of regret not having done uh, done a bit of recording from uh, making <laughs> on site on site at the at the house at the house <laughs> at the house. Oh. I guess that's going to wrap up our retrospective. Man, thanks for listening, Sojourners. Uh, we do yeah, very sure. much appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out all of our cool stuff. We're still uh, looking for always looking for awesome fan art. Yeah. Oh man, if I don't see any Trukai fan art. I will be so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is uh, us signing off until our holiday horror specials, where we might actually get to see Richard one more time. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Yeah, do keep an eye on our uh, Twitter and Instagram. Announcements will be going out as to when the live feeds will happen for sure and for certain. Thanks for joining us in the dark, Sojourners. Until the next Gothic podcast oh i love you all the gothic podcast is a humor and horror actual play podcast produced by c patrick nagel starring c patrick nagel sharon gallery lafournaise jesse baldwin and richard southard season three of the gothic podcast uses rules from the alien rpg produced by Free League Publishing and Monster of the Week, written by Michael Sands and published by Evil Hat Productions. Theme music is by Zoe Hovland and original artwork by Jared George Art. If you enjoy The Gothic Podcast, please like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Visit our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds, and check out our Patreon page. Thanks! (laughs) 